Hawkeye fans, get ready. It's time for the Hawkeye Nation radio show, powered by the Polk County iClub on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 AM and now 106.3 FM, KXNO. And welcome to another HawkeyeNation.com radio show here on 106.3 KXNO and the Hawkeye Nation podcast network. My name is Andrew Downs, and I'm joined as I am each and every Thursday right here by uh, our fearless leader at Hawkeye Nation. It's my good friend, Joe Schmelka. What's up, Joe? Hey, buddy. We're 4-1, and one, and uh, looks like it's going to be a little chilly, a little more uh, football weather on Saturday against Purdue. Life is good, man. I love fall in Iowa. Absolutely. So yeah, it's beautiful. Beautiful. And uh, yeah, homecoming on Saturday afternoon, a 2.30 kick against hated Purdue. Uh, that's that's going to be fun. I think it'll be fun. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that as we move through. Also, some uh, some news and notes from Hawkeye Nation this week. Uh, we've got some, some, not schedules, but opponents moving forward in football, uh, potentially getting Noah Shannon back. Before we thought we would, uh, I guess we did, we thought we never would. So uh, so that that's good, and, and we'll we'll discuss all that as we move through the hour here on the Hawkeye Nation Radio Show, uh, and uh, and we'll start with the recap of last week, Joe, and you, and you hit it right out of the park right there. It's a, we're four, we're four and one. You got a ten point win over a yeah, Michigan State team that's certainly reeling and isn't great, but. Uh, you had to fight through some adversity there on Saturday night inside Kinnick Stadium, and uh, and the bottom line is the only stat that really matters. You got the win, and uh, and you, you feel pretty good about that overall. Absolutely, I mean that could be the turning point of the whole season right there. Um, you lose your first string quarterback early in the game. You're already down uh, your best tight end and probably your best offensive player. Um, the O line is not opening up any holes for the running game, right? And you end up winning by 10 points. So it was, you know, it was, it was, it was a heck of a team effort. And you can still complain about the offense all you want. Uh, they didn't do a great job by any means. But, you know, like you said, it's a team game. Special teams came through. Defense came through. And we're 4-1. and one. I don't, You know, I, 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 I don't know what else. We're, we're beating, Andrew, we're beating the teams that we should be beating, yeah. right? And I think as long as this team continues to find a way to beat the teams that they should be beating, uh, I think we're going to have a really nice season. I, th- I, I think that should equate to a 9 or 10 win season. And when that starts to stop, or if it does stop, hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully we keep winning. But if that starts to uh, decline and all of a sudden, you know, we're not beating the Northwesterns, we're not beating Minnesota, um, then, then you've got some real concern. But for this team to overcome, you know, the loss, loss of Lachey, now the loss of McNamara, um, you know, the offensive line just isn't there. Heck, the wide receivers, they complain that they don't get the ball thrown enough. And, and, and you know, some of those are hard catches. I'm not going to say they're not. But when your second string quarterback's in there, you got to help him. You got to make those catches. And, and, you know, had we made some of those catches, I scored 30 some points. Yeah. So, Absolutely, and yeah, I think uh, I think Deacon Hill came in and, and did a pretty good job. Yeah, considering you know the circumstances, I mean to to come into a game like that uh, and then you know get down the way that that Iowa did, have that fumble return for a touchdown, and it really started to kind of feel like uh, we we may lose this one. But you found a way to get the ball into field goal range a couple of times. You kick those, and then you let Cooper DeGene do his thing. You let the defense kind of put it away with uh, grabbing a couple of turnovers. And you're exactly right. I don't know how you can be 
that upset about that. I, I get that the offense isn't where we want it to be, and and the the receivers do need to catch those balls, and and hopefully, you know, with another week under Deacon Hill uh, uh, under his belt, he'll be able to run the offense a little better. But I thought he looked pretty good coming in, Joe. And and you know the the thing um, that I noticed, and I've seen other people kind of point out this week is uh, he certainly doesn't have the the ceiling of a. It doesn't feel like he has the ceiling of a healthy Cade McNamara, right? But we didn't have a healthy Cade McNamara, first of all. We had probably 70% Cade McNamara, and and I think that Deacon Hill can perform at that level. But then also you saw almost instantly as soon as he came into the game, Iowa's offense, the playbook opens up a little bit when you have a guy who can move and you're not trying to protect the leg of Cade McNamara. Kirk Ferentz said a few weeks ago, we're taking quarterback sneaks off the table. We're not going to do any bootlegs. Well, anybody who's followed Iowa football for any length of time understands that uh, as laughable as it may seem to the outside world, those are very important plays to Iowa's offense. I mean, being able to sneak a ball two or three yards and, and pick up those first downs and keep drives moving uh, has been the reason we've won a lot of games in the past. And those those quarterback bootlegs and just his ability to scramble out of the pocket if needed, uh, it really did. Again, I'm not trying to say that, that it's a good thing Cade McNamara got hurt or that Deacon Hill is a better quarterback right now than Cade McNamara, but he is able to access more of Iowa's playbook than Cade McNamara was due to the injury. And I do think that opens up some possibilities, and I do think we're going to see a little bit more of that uh, this weekend. I think that's a good thing. It, it, it opens up the waggle play, which is which is a big play in our offense, which hopefully, Andrew, it, it should help our run game open up a little bit. Okay, you, you make that fake. And now they, they can't just pile everybody into the box. I think that's been one of our problems with our running game is that they know McNamara is, was very limited in what he could do physically. And, and they didn't have to really account for him as far as, as moving or running. Or, not, not that you have to do that a lot with an Iowa quarterback ever. You know, it's <laughs> Brad Banks. I think that's the last time we've got a really mobile, uh, you know, kind of a, a quarterback that could really take off and run and do much with it. But, but it does. It it it, it creates another uh, you know option for us, and and in that way it'll help our offense. He doesn't have the experience, but Manny seems to have the moxie. Um, I don't know if you watched the interview uh, after uh, after the press conferences and things on Tuesday. He's not a deer in the headlight, you know, looking at you going, and I don't know what's going on. I mean, this kid's third year in a college program. It's not all on our program, but. Um, a lot with uh, the guy, the consultant guy, the quarterback coach that came over from Wisconsin. He's been with him for three years, I think. And he's obviously got the physical abilities. So now it's just a matter of, of getting him more and more experience. And he's had a lot of practice time because McNamara has been hurt. So um, I don't know. I'm anxious. You know, you, you, you never know about a guy until he gets in there. If you had told me Brock Purdy would be doing what he's doing in the NFL, mm-hmm. I told you crazy. And, and yet, you know, this guy, this guy looks like a player. He, he just, he's, he's got that feel. He's got that, uh, he's got that movement and uh, we get some other pieces around him. Wide receivers start to hang on to the ball. Another guy that looked really good Saturday was Eric Hall, uh, the transfer number 83, the transfer from, from Michigan. I mean, he made plays. We need somebody that can break a tackle. Uh, make a play. He took that one, you know, into the end zone. He had another long, nice long, uh, you know, kind of a drag route across the middle that he took down the field a long ways. I mean, he's he's a very talented player. Went up and caught a uh, kind of a high pass 
um, on a very key drive down there. So I don't know. And in some ways, our offense looked better once Hill got in there. It, it did. You're right. And, and Eric, all we definitely need to point that out because you're right. He he had. I, th- I think he had a drop early. He maybe fell down on a route. But then there there was that the touchdown drive that that Iowa had with Deacon Hill was pretty much all Eric all. I think I think he hit him three times in that drive, including that uh, little screen pass where all broke that that tackle and was off to the end zone. And that was fantastic to see. And and he's been good. And you know, early in the game. Uh, Joe, the, the first drive when McNamara was still out there, I was hitting wide receivers. And, and throughout the game, they continued to try to get them more involved. You had Deontay Vines have three catches. Nico Reggiini had two. Uh, Anderson had one. We saw Caleb Brown finally get a, a target. Uh, and, and you mentioned it earlier. They need to catch those balls. They need to help out Deacon Hill. And, and hopefully with another week uh, of practice, they'll be able to kind of work on that chemistry, uh, the touch passes from Deacon Hill, the velocity coming at these receivers. Uh, and and I thought you you just made a great point in that Deacon Hill has spent a lot of time practicing with these guys. I mean, he was the guy who came in when Cade McNamara got hurt at the kids' day and spent much of fall camp running with the ones. He spent a lot of spring ball running with the ones because of McNamara's injury from last season. And so uh, he's not new to these guys. And, and yeah, I loved the, the way he carries himself, his swagger, the confidence his teammates have in him. And uh, I just I just found this out. He hasn't really played game football since I think 2019 because his 2020 high school season was canceled. And then he spent a couple of years in the Wisconsin program where he didn't get any game action. And now he's kind of thrown into the fire in the middle of a of a Big Ten game at night at Kinnick Stadium. And I thought he handled himself pretty well. And so I'm I'm with you. I'm anxious to see him get back out there again uh, as the the kind of de facto leader of this team and and see what he can do. Before we move on from the quarterback conversation, just, uh, you know, it, it sucks that that happened to Cade McNamara. It's really too bad. Uh, I think we we were all kind of holding our breath uh, all season long because it felt like he was, uh, you know, prone to, to re-injuring something, and, uh, and and he absolutely did. Torn ACL, he'll be out for the year. Uh, but he has said, and, and Coach Ferentz has said, that they plan to have him back next season. It'll be interesting to see kind of what the situation is between now and then. Uh, does Deacon Hill take control of this this job, and is he the de facto starter moving forward? Joey Labus is somebody that that we you know can't forget. He was injured for a lot of the offseason, but he led us to a bowl win uh, in last December, and and so he's a guy who can play. Um, and so yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But really, too bad for for Cade McNamara. Glad to hear that he plans to come back next year and. Uh, it'd be it'd, it'd be a damn shame if we never see a fully healthy Cade McNamara in a Hawkeye uniform. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and, and you always need good quarterbacks. You know, you always need a good backup in your play away, as you could see, obviously, right? Um, yeah, McNamara was never really healthy. Um, he didn't really get a fair shake this year. Um, you feel bad for him. But, you know, that's football. I mean, you feel bad for Luke Lachey. You feel bad for anybody that got injured. And... Uh, you know, couldn't go out and play. They they worked their butts off, you know, 12 months a year. I don't think anybody has any idea of the sacrifices that, that the players make and the time they put in and and all kinds of different things that are, that are required to do. And, you know, for him to get hurt like that, it was it was unfortunate, to say the least. But it is what it is. You got to play with the hand you're dealt with, next man in. And let's hope that Deacon Hill uh, – you know, becomes the next Ricky Sanzi or, or or somebody like that. You know, he's kind of got that gunslinger attitude to him. Let's throw the ball, and and uh, he's obviously got a hell of an arm. And uh, 
Our quarterback sneak is definitely back. Our waggle play is definitely back. Maybe that opens up some other things. You know, he just, as always, you got to eliminate the turnovers. He had a couple of really bad passes. Um, one that could have been intercepted and one that did get intercepted. But, you know, uh, that's, that, that's football, right? So the Michigan State player. So does, uh, so does, so does everybody. So let's, let's, let's minimize the mistakes and, and let's Cooper DeGene's and some of those guys uh, create some big plays and, and we'll hope that we can go down the season. And, you know, if we win 20 to 17, we win 24, 21. Oh, I don't care. We win 13 to 10. <laughs> it's not an exciting game, but given what's going on with our offense, you know, it's, it's, it's reality. And Kirk is very, very good. Parker, very, very good. LeVar Woods, I'll throw him in there too. Very, very good at finding a way to, you know, might be a block punt, might be a block field goal, might be a punt return, might be a defensive, you know, some defensive interceptions, turnovers. Um, it was good to see us get four turnovers. That's huge for yeah. us, right? We have to win that turnover battle, uh, I, I think, for, for this team to, to really win. So, We'll see. And I, see what I, I think you're exactly right. Like for Hawkeye fans who are expecting uh, some sort of high-powered offense or something to change in these these next seven games, uh, brace <laughs> yourself because that that's not going to happen. I mean, these games are going to look like that game looked Saturday night, uh, and and yeah. like they've looked the last couple of seasons, as you just said. Uh, you know, limiting possessions, limiting mistakes, forcing other teams to make mistakes. Great defense and special teams. Uh, there are going to be a lot of low-scoring. You know, 17 to 14, one possession games where one play makes all the difference. And the the thing that we have going for us is is certainly over the last few seasons um, and, and most of the Kirk Ferentz tenure, especially against these other Big Ten West schools, Iowa tends to be the team that makes that play. And uh, and that was the case on Saturday night. A couple of times for Cooper DeGene, I think that interception he had uh, in the first half was so huge. Uh, if if Michigan State comes down and even puts up a field goal there, but certainly if they if they punch it in uh, for a touchdown, that's that's a backbreaker right there. And Cooper DeGene made such a good play on that receiver and on that ball uh, to make that interception. And then obviously uh, the the gigantic punt return late in the game in the fourth quarter to to pretty much put it away. I mean, give Iowa the lead, and then the, the defense did the rest from there. And um, it was just it was so great to see. He's such a good player. Uh, and and what he does is we we expect so much of him, but uh, there hadn't been like a signature moment yet this year. There hadn't been a signature game yet this year for Cooper, and, and that was certainly it on Saturday night as as he led Iowa to the win. Um, and good on the crowd also leading up to that punt return. Uh, I mean to to be in that game to have lost your starting quarterback. There there were a lot of reasons that crowd could have been quiet, could have been out of that game. Uh, but in the fourth quarter, they made the difference. They caused two false starts on that possession by Michigan State. They also had to take a timeout, burn a timeout on that possession, and that is the 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 punt that ultimately Cooper DeGene brings back and uh, and wins the game with. And so, uh, shout out to the Kinnick crowd. I don't know if you were there, but that play sounded nuts when oh, yeah. he when he ran that back. I bet that was so much fun. Uh, and and it was just great to see the crowd stay engaged because that that is what we're going to need moving forward as we have I think four of our last seven games at home. Yeah, the uh, the end zone we, we we sit up there in the Kinnick Edge area and uh, that end zone gets so incredibly loud and and they did I mean the fans impacted the game there's no doubt about it I think any home crowd impacts the game to a certain degree but at key moments 
you know, we got, we got some penalties instead of third and three, you know, all of a sudden they're third and eight and uh, different things are going on. It's frustrating. They, they can't set the ball as quick as they want to. Uh, they're half a step slow on, uh, on, on the snap, things like that. So big, big deal for the crowd. It was very loud. Uh, it's just, it's just one of those moments. I mean, you know, a couple years ago we had Penn state and uh, you know, that pass came right at us in the end zone to rag Ragaini. I still can't even Ragaini, but uh, <laughs> you know, it came right, right at us. I mean, it was just awesome. And this punt return, same thing came right at us and to feel, you know, the, the, the sound of Kinnick you know, just rising. And, and by the time he broke that right through that first uh, couple of guys, it was just like, oh my God, he's going to do this, you know, type thing. And and man, he did. I mean, it was it was amazing. It was a ton of fun to see. That, that's why you go to football games. Yeah. I mean, you know, you either complain and whine and moan and everything. And, and and maybe Iowa doesn't have as many. They certainly don't have as many wild and crazy moments as you know Ohio State or USC or Colorado and you know all those high powered offenses. But when they do something great. It's almost like it's more meaningful in a in in, in, a, in a way, and and it really you know it really gets you going. Have a lot of fun. So we had a blast. It was a great, great time Saturday. That's awesome. One one other thing about that game Saturday before we move on and, and start to look ahead, Joe. Um, I think now an underrated part of our team is Drew Stevens and and how uh, yeah. essential he's been throughout this season. And and in that game, he was four or four from from field goal range. Um, and and he is again as we move forward. Um, with with what we have on offense, field goals are so important. You know, getting those points and not giving up those possessions is so important. And Drew Stevens has just been fantastic all season long. No, he's amazing. You know, he gained. I think when he came here last year, somebody said he weighed 165 pounds, and he did good, right? I mean, he made some 50 yards. Yeah. And, and now they say he's 205, so he's gained like 40 pounds, and apparently it's all muscle. Tory Taylor looks like a totally different person too. He's reduced his body fat and, and all kinds of things. These guys are in fabulous shape. And, uh, you know, I mean, Stevens, you saw it. I mean, he kicked that one from 50 something, 52, 53. He could have got there through 60. And, and, and that's what we need. This team will need every single point we can produce. Right. And, uh, I, I, I think that's going to be the most important thing, uh, for the season is we got, we got, very good special teams. Okay, very good special teams, and a, and a really good defense. I don't think our defense is quite as good as it was last year. I mean, you know, we lost all three linebackers. Really, if you look at it, uh, lost the number one draft pick off the off the defensive line, um, but we're still good. So very good. So hold the other team seventeen points below. I think you got a chance to win any game. I agree completely, and uh, we'll talk about the next game, homecoming on Saturday afternoon against Purdue, uh, and also some kind of news and notes that have uh, that have happened in Hawkeye Nation and in, in the Big Ten world uh, today and, and over the last couple of days. We'll, we'll talk about more of that. It's uh, Joe Schmelka and Andrew Downs. This is the HawkeyeNation.com radio show. If you've missed any of it, check it out on the Hawkeye Nation podcast page at HawkeyeNation.com or wherever you get your podcasts and uh, and tune in to HawkeyeNation.com. It's the uh, the best place, the granddaddy of all Hawkeye websites, best place to get all your Hawkeye news. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes to turn our page to Purdue right here on 106.3 KXNO.
Back in Black on the Hawkeye Nation radio show here on 106.3 KXNO. Andrew Downs along with you, and we're going to turn our attention to the Purdue Boilermakers. That's the team Iowa has coming into town Saturday afternoon, a 2.30 kick. It's a homecoming game for the Hawkeyes, and I am joined by Mike Carmen of GoldenBlack.com. Mike, thanks for the time. Thank you for reaching out. Yeah, you know, before we dive into this year's uh, matchup, Iowa fans dreaded seeing Jeff Brom on the opposing sideline. How different are things this year under new head coach Ryan Walters? They're different. Uh, you know, Purdue still throws the ball around a little bit. and uh, But it's, you know, Ryan Walters is a defensive guy, and that's his emphasis. Um, and just with the new coaching staff and 19 players out of the transfer portal, uh, it's just kind of a different vibe and a different situation. I don't, I don't know if Ryan Walters uh, has the, will have the same mojo success against Iowa that Jeff Brom did. Or maybe Jeff Brom left the secrets to beating Iowa in his death. Uh, so we'll we'll see about that. But it, it, it's different. Uh, but there, you know, some characteristics about Purdue's program that should never change, and uh, you know about the quarterback and, and things like that. So I think you'll see you'll still still see some of that stuff. But um, you know, kind of a different philosophy now for Purdue. You know, the, the team broke out of a bit of a scoring slump last week, put up 44 against Illinois. What what clicked last week for the offense? Uh, the running game got going, um, and they were able to have uh, a lot of success. They got their three backs involved. Each one of them scored a touchdown. Uh, they took advantage of some turnovers. Um, and, you know, the other part of it, the equation is Illinois, Illinois is just not that good right now. So Purdue was able to take advantage of some of their mistakes, uh, get some pressure on the quarterback, uh, disrupt what they were trying to do offensively, and, um, and and controlled both lines of the scrimmage really well. And that's you know the strength of Illinois is their defensive line, and Purdue uh, almost rushed for 200 yards, uh, and I didn't think that was going to happen before the game. But you know credit to Purdue and the offensive line; they've got some couple of their guys back that they they didn't have earlier in the year so maybe that maybe that group is uh getting ready to to hit a, uh, a stretch of consistent play Hawkeye fans uh spent a lot of time with Tyrone Tracy at wide receiver might be surprised to see him at running back for the Boilermakers uh how, how has he been and obviously that running game as you just said is, has been a big reason for the success uh recently well I think Tyrone has Established himself as the number one running back ahead of Devin Mockaby. Mockaby's had some fumble issues the last three games, and the production has has put out there uh, puts him in the number one spot, in, in my opinion. And uh, over yards last week, and he's just you know that's his natural position. That's where he feels more comfortable. That's what he did in high school, among other things. And, you know, he's, as you know, bounced around a little bit between receiver and running back. But, you know, Purdue has, has found a home for him at running back, and he, he just seems to be uh, excelling right now. How has the passing offense looked? Uh, Hudson Tars had some really good moments. Uh, he had some struggles uh, as they got into Syracuse and Wisconsin. Uh, he had some fumbles, uh, you know, maybe an interception here or two. Um, but you know, he, he definitely, he's a guy that, that has a talent, you know, th- to me, what holds this passing game back compared to what maybe Iowa fans are used to seeing with Purdue with Brom is they don't have that NFL 
caliber big receiver that uh, you saw with with Brom. You know, Rondo Moore wasn't a big receiver, but he, extremely talented. You had David Bell, uh, Charlie Jones. Uh, they don't they don't have that. They have you know the fastest guy in the team is Deion Burks, uh, and he's he's a good receiver. And they they don't play a whole lot of receivers. They play basically three. Um, and I think Hudson Carr needs to kind of elevate their play a little bit, and they need to come through and make some plays as well. But you know, the passing games have been okay. I think there's another level or two for that passing game to to go after. Uh, you know, maybe this week they they increase the production there. Defensively, what players or position groups have have stood out so far this season? Well, the linebackers, uh, especially the outside linebackers, uh, Kydron Jenkins and Nick Scorton. I think are their two best players and, you know, Jenkins has, you know, been banged up a little bit. He missed the second half of the, uh, I think the Wisconsin game, uh, but he's back playing. Those are their two guys. their edge guys that really need to get some pressure on the quarterback and protect the edge. The one problem that Purdue has had defensively here in the first month is keeping quarterbacks from, running wild outside. You know, Garrett Schrader did it against Syracuse. Tanner Mordecai did it a little bit with Wisconsin. Uh, I don't know if Iowa's massive quarterback will be doing that <laughs> this week or not, but, uh, you know, that's that's kind of been their issue. And their secondary a freshman, Dylan Thieneman, is the, the, the free safety. You will see him line up uh, basically in the state of Illinois. He's that far off the line of scrimmage. Uh, but he he's very fast. He can, he can come in and uh, be a spy on a quarterback. He can also uh, help contain the edge a little bit. Uh, so uh, they've got some pieces there. Uh, they don't get a lot of pressure on the quarterback um, here in the first month of the season, but that, that needs to change a little bit uh, going in. And just uh, Yanni Karloftis, brother of George Karloftis, which I, you know, I, I know uh, Iowa fans are familiar with. Oh yeah, he probably had, he probably had his best game of his career last week against Illinois, and he should get uh, a little bit more playing time uh, this week based on that. You know, I was going to play the way Iowa always plays: uh, ball control, lean on defense and special teams, try to limit turnovers, uh, create turnovers defensively. Uh, when you when you kind of know what you're expecting from Iowa, what's the biggest key to this game for Purdue? Well, it's, it's 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 going to be the key with every game with Purdue and really every team. They they just can't turn the ball over. Um, they can't give Iowa extra opportunities, short fields, and you know Purdue has to prevent Iowa's defense and or special teams from scoring. And I mean, you guys know, you guys know the game plan for Iowa. <laughs> they can get a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown, their chances of winning go through the roof. And Purdue's got to prevent that. That means limiting the turnovers, limiting the mistakes, uh, being sound on on special teams. And with, you know, they're facing a new quarterback guy that doesn't have a lot of experience. You, you know, he did play the whole, mostly the whole game last week, but still, uh, can they rattle him? Can they put him in some uncomfortable uh, positions uh, where he has to make plays through the air uh, on third down? So, you know, all those things wrapped up. You know, you're probably looking at a lower scoring game again because Iowa probably will play it closer <laughs> to the vest than they normally do because of some of the newness at the quarterback position. But you know, it's kind of you know Purdue. Purdue has a small margin for error, and they got to make sure that they don't 
give, give Iowa some extra chances to beat them. Well, should be an interesting game, if if not the most entertaining game, but Iowa fans are used to that. Uh, he is Mike Carmen. You can check out his work at goldenblack.com and follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore Carmen. Mike, thank you as always for the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. There it is. Going to be an interesting game on Saturday afternoon. When we come back here on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show on 106.3 KXNO, Joe Schmelka will rejoin me. We'll turn our attention to this game as well and talk about some news and notes, some uh, some new schedules or at least opponents, uh, and some possibly good news for Noah Shannon. It's all coming up next right here on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show, 106.3 KXNO. Back in Black on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show here on 106.3 KXNO and the Hawkeye Nation podcast network, the granddaddy of all Hawkeye websites, HawkeyeNation.com. My name is Andrew Downs. I'm joined by Joe Schmelka, and uh, we spent the first segment looking back at the the 10-point win over Michigan State last Saturday night uh, and, and what it means to lose Cade McNamara for the season and then enter the Deacon Hill era. Uh, if you missed any of that, check it out on the Hawkeye Nation podcast network, wherever you get your podcasts, or just go right to HawkeyeNation.com. It'll be right there for you. Uh, and we're going to now turn our attention to uh, to Purdue in just a minute or two here, Joe. But before we do that, uh, some news that has come out uh, in the last couple of days. The NCAA has uh, has begun to reform their gambling penalties. And, and this is interesting on a lot of levels for a lot of people, but more so for us here in Iowa and specifically for Noah Shannon, who is uh, ineligible for the season, his final season of college football, uh, due to gambling, and he didn't gamble on Iowa football. He didn't gamble on NCAA football. Uh, He apparently allegedly gambled on a basketball game, and that was enough to suspend him for an entire season. Uh, Iowa appealed that suspension to the NCAA, uh, and, and that appeal was denied. Kirk Ferentz has been very vocal about how upset he is about this, how how much he disagrees with the NCAA's decision on this, how punitive he thinks this punishment is, how it doesn't fit the crime or lack of a crime because Noah Shannon has not been accused of, of committing a crime in this case. And uh, and you can tell the way Kirk Ferentz talks about Noah Shannon, how highly he thinks of him uh, and, and how much he he appreciates him, even just keeping him with the program after, after this happening. Uh, but now the NCAA is, is looking at reducing those penalties and drastically reducing those penalties to the point where what Noah Shannon has done and has admitted to doing wouldn't even be a suspension of any sort, let alone an entire season. And so now we await how quickly does the NCAA make this uh, make this move? Can they get this voted on now or within the next week or two and retroactively uh, relieve this punishment from Noah Shannon. If that's the case, I think, Joe, we could see Noah Shannon in a Hawkeye uniform on the field yet this season. And while the defense has played well, we haven't got much pressure on the quarterback. I think one sack all season. It'd be really, really nice to get him back. And I, I really hope the NCAA does the right thing here and makes this happen quickly and uh, and does this not just for Noah Shannon, but uh, for for you know, there's a couple cyclones affected by this as well. Uh, just to do the right thing here and to do it quickly and and not take it the final season away from these players. Well, absolutely, they need to do the right thing regardless. They've done the wrong thing on this whole thing. It seems like I mean these kids violated something. Sure, get to suspend them for a game or two, but um, to to bet ten dollars on the University of Iowa women's basketball game or something like that. I mean. 
I don't think that you can lose your entire piece of eligibility. So somehow these rules are a bit outdated, things like that. Came on the kids for doing it in the first place. They should know better. Um, but it seems like this whole thing is falling apart. Um, I, 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 I think you saw the, like the story County uh, attorney dropped some charges against some of the Iowa State guys. I don't know what's going on with all the Iowa guys, but you know they need to get they need to use some common sense. And, and if you're going to change it, then retroactive it and get these kids active right now. I mean, they didn't do anything terrible. And I'm still going to go back to I don't know how this thing started. Why is it only University of Iowa male athletes and Iowa State male athletes? And I, I don't understand. That's it. There's nobody else in the country that's that's really getting looked at this way. Um, I don't know. Something weird happened in our state. I'm sure it's got to do with politics and a bunch of nonsense. But hopefully it comes out sometime when we find out who, who, who initiated all this craziness. But, yeah, let's get it done. Sweep it under the rug and, and let's move on. The other thing, as long as we're talking about moving on, you know, Andrew, let's get rid of the Brian Ferentz thing, this 25 points a game thing. <laughs> yes. Let's just move on from it. It's about wins. Uh, and and Brian's made some great calls. He's made some bad calls. Uh, I'm just more concerned than anything about the recruiting and, and the play of our offensive line. We just don't seem to be able to open up a uh, run game very well. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens, you know, going forward. That's Everybody's daring us. We got to make some better plays. So hopefully we can, and uh, let's get rid of that, and let's just go down and have a have a really nice season. I I think, I don't know, just what you talk about, I think we still have a good shot at, at 10 wins. You know, I think it's going to be hard to roll the table and, and get to 11 wins. I think that's, that's tough. But uh, I think we got a shot at it. So. Absolutely, and, and again, especially with with you know the the full uh, the full playbook uh, now opened to Iowa, and as you pointed out in the last yeah. segment, waggle and the the bootlegs and things like that. Um, there there is now I'm I'm less confident that Iowa, as you said, will like run the table or anything that I, that I may have been a week or two ago. But I don't see a a game on this schedule where you point and say Iowa cannot win that game. Now the, the game at Madison next week is going to be tough. It always is. Uh, we always play them them tough, and and I expect that. And I expect to get games from everybody else as well. I don't expect to blow anybody out. But there's no reason that Iowa can't can't go into these games. I mean, we'll probably be favored in a lot of these games, and there's no reason they shouldn't go in confident that that they can beat these teams. Absolutely. And that's what you want to put yourself into, right? You want to put yourself into a game that's like, I think we can win it. I'm not saying we're going to. It's going to be it's a very tough game this weekend. I mean, this is a unique offense. They've got a really good transfer quarterback. Uh, they're kind of starting to hit their stride a little bit, it appears. And, uh, you know, the, it's going to be tough to score against them. This is going to be a tough game on Saturday and then probably an even tougher game uh, the following week in Wisconsin. And, uh you know, we, 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 we've got to go out there. We've got to continue to make that, make a couple big plays, win the turnover battle. Uh, man, I, I, I keep saying it every week. I hope we can run the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have not shown the ability to run the ball very well at all. Caleb Johnson reportedly back at practice this week. So will we see him in the game? It's it's yet to be seen, uh, but that'll be interesting. I'd like to see him back uh, out on that field and, uh, and, and help that running game a little bit. And, yeah, let's just transition right into this game. Uh, Joe, um, Purdue coming to town, homecoming, 230 kick at Kinnick Stadium. 
And no more Jeff Brom on the other sideline. I think that, that's that's the biggest headline. That's the thing. I mean, he seemed to have Kirk Ferentz's number. He had a uh, he had a thing over Iowa the way that Iowa has had over several other teams during the Kirk Ferentz era. I think Brom won four out of five against Iowa, and and they they just. They seem to find a way to beat Iowa every time. But now Ryan Walter is the new head coach. And as you said, they seem to be hitting their stride a bit. Put up 44 on Illinois last week, but uh, certainly not an unbeatable team. Um, one of the other interesting things is uh, there's going to be a familiar face on the other side. It's not Charlie Jones, but it is Tyrone Tracy. And you won't yeah. see him as running back. You'll see him or as wide receiver. You'll see him as running back. And uh, and I talked to Mike Carmen, who covers Purdue this week for my opposition research podcast here on HawkeyeNation.com. And uh, and he said he expects Tracy to be running back number one this week. He says they, they've kind of been uh, sharing carries, but he's been the guy who has stood out the most. And, and he'd be surprised if he's not the first guy you see out there and the guy getting the most carries. And so it'll be really interesting to see Tyrone Tracy back in inside Kinnick Stadium and uh, in a completely different position than he ever played as a Hawkeye. Yeah, it's uh as running back, but I think I think he did play some running back in high school. But I mean, he's, he's a great athlete. You know, he he was with us. He just couldn't get open as a wide receiver, and I and I I don't think he did a whole lot as a wide receiver at uh, at Purdue. They need some playmakers, so they're sticking him in the backfield and and finding places for him to play. And and you got to respect that. You know, I I sometimes think we do enough of that, right? You've got to find a playmaker, and you got to get him out there, and you got to get the ball in his hands in space. Somehow, some way, get a, get a, you know, a mismatch, you know, where where you can take advantage of it. That's that's the key to making a big play on offense. So uh, we'll have to watch him. We're gonna have to stop. They're gonna they're gonna throw the ball 150 times. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun game to watch. Uh, I think because I think it's their strength, which is offense, against our strength, which is defense. And we'll see. Uh, we'll see how we hold up and how we do. Absolutely, and and you know it's going to be really interesting to see Deacon Hill in this game and kind of uh, do they let him throw the ball? You you can tell he's got a cannon. You can tell he wants to to get the ball out and and get it downfield. I think uh, I think it'd be great if Iowa would allow him to do more of that, uh, allow him to keep getting these wide receivers more involved as as they tried to do last week and and did did with some success, but uh, just too many drops. You can't have those drops. Um, I do wonder, you know, we haven't talked a whole lot about Joey Labus this season because of that injury, but it, it does seem like he's at least healthy enough to play if he needed to. It'll be interesting to see kind of how short of a leash or or if we even get to that point uh, with Deacon Hill. I mean, if he comes out and, and throws an interception or two in the first half and Iowa is down at halftime, uh, do, do they look at Joey Labus or, or is this Deacon Hill's team moving forward? It's going to be really interesting to kind of see, A, how he handles the moment and then, B, how the coaching staff handles him and, and allows him to kind of be himself or if they are going to try to rein him in a little bit. I, that That's that's kind of the key to the game for me is, um, you know, how does Deacon Hill carry himself and, and how do the Ferences kind of allow him to do that? Yeah, it's uh, once again. If you go to our site, if you go to HawkeyeNation.com site, I tell people look at two, listen to two things: your podcast, the Opposition Research, very good, talks about the other team, the Purdue team, and then watch the interview uh, with uh, with Deacon Hill after uh, after uh, practices and the press conference on Tuesday. There's a really good interview up there uh, of him with him and and answering questions. And I don't know, man, he's smooth confident he's not cocky he handles himself very very well um i'm i'm optimistic 
you know, he's going to make mistakes. Got every quarterback makes mistakes, but, but, you know, can he, can he make more big plays than he does mistakes? Um, that, that, that that's what we got to hope for. Yeah, a few minutes left here on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show, 106.3 KXNO. He's Joe Schmelka. I'm Andrew Downs. If you missed any of it, check it out at HawkeyeNation.com. That's where you can find that video and these other podcasts. And uh, and wherever you get your podcasts, just search Hawkeye Nation and they will pop up. Uh, we'll do predictions before we get out of here, Joe. But before we do that, I did want to touch on uh, the, the new schedule uh, released today by the Big Ten um, not the schedule, but the yeah. opponents, at least, for the next five seasons. And we don't need to go through all five seasons or anything like that, but four new schools are coming into the Big Ten. Uh, they're doing away with divisions next year. I was very happy to see, and I, I don't think they had announced this, uh, because we had gotten this same uh, announcement before the addition of Oregon and Washington. And, and at that point, we knew... They had protected three rivals for Iowa in in Nebraska, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. I was the only school in the Big Ten with three protected rivals, um, and I was so happy to see that. And then in the interim, I don't think they had ever announced whether or not they were holding on to the protected rivals or what their plan was moving forward. So, I, first of all, I was very pleasantly surprised to see today that they have protected those rivalries, and, and I think that's so important, not just for Iowa, but for the state of college football. I mean, we've, we've moved so far away from uh, what it used to be and these kind of regional rivalries, and I do think there's importance in that. And so... I was glad that we're not moving to 10 games or something like that, which would kill the Cyhawk game. And I'm also glad that we get to see these these games, these trophy games each and every year, specifically Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Nebraska. I, I was glad to see we get to play those teams year after year. Yeah, I, I think it's really important. Um, you know, a lot of people push for the Iowa State game, and I'm like, well, yeah, I think that's important, but they're not in our conference. I mean, that's like a state rivalry game, okay? It's, it's, it's a great thing for our state, not diminishing it. But to lose some of those long, heated rivalries, uh, you know, it's Minnesota and Illinois and Nebraska and, and uh, you know, the border, the, uh, the border wars, so to speak. I, I think that's really going to be great for our uh, for, for football in the Midwest and more of a regional impact. So great to see that we kept those. Holy cow, does our schedule get tougher, though? I mean, all of us do that once in a while have an Ohio State, Penn State, or Michigan on your on your schedule now, all of a sudden, it's like every year you've got either a couple of them or or, or throw in Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA, and those are going to be tough teams for us to compete against. So instead of just having what I call the Big Three, uh, I think all of a sudden we got the Big Seven that we got to go up against. Uh, pretty much two or three, if if not more of them, every year. So. Yeah, and and so I was I was kind of looking through that, Joe, because I had this thought. Uh, there's been this uh, this this overarching thought that Iowa's schedule is going to be so much more difficult, and, and don't get me wrong, it is. And and the, I think the most difficult part about it is the doing away with the divisions. And so, in order to get to a Big Ten championship game, you're going to have to be a top two team in this league, and that's going to be a really difficult thing to do. With as you said, kind of the Big Seven teams, these kind of blue blood programs that are all going to reside in our conference starting next season. So, uh, in that way, it's it's far more difficult to get to a Big Ten championship game and to hopefully eventually win another Big Ten championship uh, than it was or is currently with the divisional system. But 
you know, you, you have to remember, A with I was three protected rivalries, which are programs that are good and, and have been very good in the past, but are on the same level, I would say, as Iowa. I, I don't put, even though Wisconsin has had our number for several years and, and we seemingly never lose to Minnesota and we've beaten uh, Nebraska more often than not, I, I would say all four of these programs are, are pretty much on the same playing field, at least. Uh, and, and so that kind of takes away some room for the other schools. But then you, you also have to remember, you know, there are other schools in the Big Ten that aren't that great on, on the other side of the conference as well. You're going to get to play Indiana and Rutgers and some schools like that. Uh, but you, you do have to now include USC and Oregon and Washington and UCLA. But I went through this five-year span. Uh, they, they have and You can check out it, all the information at HawkeyeNation.com if you don't have it right in front of you. But essentially what it means is we're going to play these blue blood schools two times in this five-year span, each of them twice in this five-year span, once home and once away. And that's Ohio State, Penn State, USC, Michigan, Oregon, Washington. UCLA can get back up into there. They've been down a little bit. But of those six schools, I mean, we we play them twice. And so it's not like you're going to get a – it's it's not like the schedule is going to be, you know, at USC – at Oregon, at Ohio State, home against Michigan, home against Penn State every year. It, it's still spread out enough with this 18-team league uh, that there are going to be a lot of winnable games each and every year, and, and there, there are going to be some daunting ones and some real big challenges, uh, but with a 12-team playoff moving forward, you don't have to go undefeated to get to you know get to where you want to get either. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out, but uh, I did find that interesting that in the next five years, we'll essentially get games against those Blue Bloods twice over the next five years. Yeah, it'll be it'll, it'll be fun to go out to UCLA and and play in the you know in, in the Rose Bowl or the Coliseum and and uh, you know some some of those things. Go to Oregon and experience that kind of an environment, right? And have them come into Kinnick and play. I mean, it it just kind of bumps up the entire uh, what do I want to say the entire entertainment factor. Yeah, it's all of being a Hawkeye fan. Um, you know, uh, it, it's cool to see the Bears play the Chiefs, right? I mean, that's that's it's a great thing about the NFL. Every few years, you get to see uh, you get to see some different teams playing each other. So, there's going to be some freshness to it. It's going to be it's going to be a challenge. One of these shows, we need to devote a segment. I'd really like to devote a segment to money and how different universities uh, within the Big Ten yeah. can spend. Uh, their their TV money gets athletic revenue and compare and contrast how Iowa does it and how that really puts Iowa at a real at a disadvantage frankly it does Minnesota uh, it, 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 it does several of the schools and until we really go after it and say hey, we're gonna spend the money to have a really good football program it's hard to do it Andrew it's hard to be a it Ford, is. you know racing a BMW I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry. And it, 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 it just is and people I don't think they understand that. It's like, well, why can't we beat Penn State? Well, we spend twenty-seven grand or twenty-seven million a year on football. Sounds like a lot. It is. They're spending forty. Yeah. Who do you, who do you think's gonna, you know, ha- have a bigger advantage? All uh, right, I'm, I'm, I'm making a note of that, Joe. We're we're doing a money segment before uh, before this season is out because uh, we're running out of time here. The music's about to push us out, Joe. Uh, before it does that, let's uh, let's get a prediction. Iowa. Hosting Purdue, homecoming, two thirty on Saturday afternoon. What, how do you see this one going? You know, I, I, it's a concerning game for me, but but we handle uh, we handle the passing attacks of most teams pretty well. I don't think they run the ball that great. They've they've got uh, Rondo Moore back there. We got to hold him in check. 
if we make them one-dimensional and all they can do is, is pass, you know, there'll be a tipped ball, there'll be a few things, we'll get some turnovers. Key to the game, we got to get turnovers, all right? We win the turnover battle, I think we win, and we're not going to go and score a whole bunch of points against them, but let's hope we can find a way to get to 20. I think if this team can get to 20 points, I don't think our defense special teams uh, allows them to get that high. So whichever team gets 20 points, I think they win. I think it's the Hawkeyes, maybe 2013, 2017, something like that. Love it. Yep, we're on the same page as we usually are. 23-17 is what I had written down, and uh, and, and I feel good about it. If, uh, if you missed any of the show, check it out on the podcast page at HawkeyeNation.com or wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to follow along with us at HawkeyeNation.com as we uh, continue to move through the season. Uh, Joe and I will be back one week from today, Thursday night here on 106.3 KXNO and the Hawkeye Nation Radio uh, Podcast Network. Joe, thank you as always, man. Go Hawks. Go Hawks, baby. Go Hawks.